The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here, but I'm even more excited for our guest today. He is the founder of N. T Capital. We got Taylor Lote. Taylor, thanks for joining us today. How are you, sir? Thanks for having me. I'm great. It's been great chatting with you so far, and I'm look, looking forward to uh, talking with our audience today. Yeah, absolutely. No, listen, pleasure's been all mine. I keep saying this. We'll eventually record the pre-show. I don't know when. <laughs> we had some really fun conversations. Some of it turns out to be a little bit about technology. Who would have guessed with, with some background that I got? But n- nevertheless, we really appreciate you getting on here. I know you know, people, you got your own show out there. People are listening to you, but just in case people are seeing your face or hearing your voice for the first time, we love starting out with a good origin story. So take us through where you're from, how you got into real estate and what you find yourself doing these days. Sure. Great. Happy to do that. So yeah, I host the Passive Wealth Strategy Show available where all great podcasts are are rolled out. Uh, We help our listeners escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. As far as my personal origins, I, I live in Richmond, Virginia, but I didn't grow up here. I'm originally from Pennsylvania. And as far as my money origins go, I actually had this realization somewhat recently. I'm in my 30s. I only just figured this out now. So my kind of money origins, when I first, I, I, I'm old enough to have one, I had a job at Sears and it wasn't my first job. It was my third job. And I had a little bit of money. I was working there at a time when bank accounts bore interest. That doesn't exist today. And who knows if that'll ever exist again. But my first, you know, kind of money decision was I realized I'm having bring this money in. How can I turn it into more? So the thing that I could figure out how to do then was go from the bank that my parents had, you know, set up for me to find another one that had a money market account that I think at the time maybe did. 5% 5% or something like that, which today is a kingly sum for a bank account. <laughs> uh, and I got like a hundred bucks to, you know, start direct depositing my money from Sears there. And, you know, that was when I was, you know, a teenager and went to college, blah, 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 got out, was eventually looking at getting an MBA. And I just figured out that that wasn't the right path for me. I just kind of felt that naturally. And then I read that book that so many of us read, you guys know it, rich dad, poor dad, sent me down the path of real estate investing. And then, you know, here we are today, I raise money for real estate syndications. I invest in real estate syndications and I host a podcast where our goal is to help people learn about real estate investing from a more passive angle, not just syndications, but notes, turnkeys, lending, whatever suits you as we want to help you learn how to do that. Perfect. No, I absolutely love it. And listen, if you're if you're wanting to be on the more passive side, w- what a great opportunity to go out and learn about it without having to dive head first and try and do it on your own. Taylor, I, I love what you guys are doing over there and really educating people on, on that kind of stuff. Thank you. Uh, I would love to sit here and talk about all the stuff you're all doing and being successful, but I got to imagine there's been some stumbling blocks along the way that help teach you and be able to help teach others as well, but help you learn in your progress. And would love to know what are some of the challenges and stumbling blocks you faced along your way in your career? Sure. I mean, there have been many, right? And we were talking about this before we started recording is, you know, picking out the ones that I want to talk about today. So my first 
passive investment in a real estate syndication was, you know, a number of years ago now at a different stage of the market. But I made that investment through a self-directed IRA, and we will get to that later. But uh, real estate syndication in the Southeast, I'm not going to get too specific here, but throughout the course of the investment, after maybe a year or so of owning the property, the operator discovered that it looked like the property manager was stealing money from us, which is not great. And the operator at that point did the right thing. He, you know, took the property manager out and got control of the books and all those kinds of things. But the complicating factor that was involved, and this is very important, this informs how I invest today, is that the property manager had partnership or had ownership in the property, actually a general partnership ownership. So that turned into a much greater legal battle that affected the investment throughout the life of the deal. We eventually, the property, the, excuse me, the general partner eventually sold the deal and we did end up making money. I think if we were in a more difficult time of the market, we might've, we may have lost money on the deal. I, I don't know. I'd have to run a fairly deep analysis, but we're a little bit saved by the market. But I think the lesson that I really learned there is if you're going to have a third party property manager, you want them to be a true third party and you want to be able to terminate them if you need to, if and when you need to. And I've seen other operators and other investors struggle with that as well, giving some level of equity to the property manager. And then things kind of go sideways a little bit. You can't get the property manager, you know, straight, you can't get them on the straight and narrow once again. And then you get into, you know, legal situations with trying to either get their equity out or get rid of them. It just turns into a big headache. And we see a lot of syndication teams today starting their own property management. I think that's great. I don't want to, you know, kind of say anything negative or control in that case. But if they're third party, they should just be third party. It shouldn't be kind of blended in my opinion, my experience. Listen, that's an interesting concept. I hadn't thought about that. And I would imagine maybe if you are still wanting to give up some of that equity, because I know that's a really popular thing. You you get a property manager that's third party, you give them a little skin in the game. And the thought is that, well, they're probably going to take care of this property a little bit better than maybe they would otherwise, because they got some skin in the game. So maybe there's an, a way that you can put some sort of carve out in the clause about gross negligence or anything like that. That gets into some some legal battles on the front end and and do they want to sign that type of agreement? I don't know. But to your point, I think in your experience, it's just best maybe not to that way. You don't have to go through that if that sort of thing arises. It's a risk to be aware of, right? Because you're right. I think the the thought process is most of the time, hey, they have ownership in this. Maybe they'll work to perform harder because they have more of an upside. But on the other hand of that, on the, on the other side, they might think, hey, I have ownership here. I can kind of let slack off. I can focus on other things because I'm not going to lose. I'm going to always be in this deal. So those scales kind of can tip either direction. And when the scales tip the wrong direction, then it's a lot worse than it could have been otherwise. So, you know, I I don't mean to give a hard time to property managers either because I have friends who are known property management companies who are out doing deals. I'm sure they're doing a great job, but again, it's that that mix of the third party, but not really third party that I think people maybe just aren't cautious enough about is, is really kind of what I take out of that experience. 
Well, no, I think that's a good thing to bring to light and just be aware of. And again, we're always trying to mitigate risk. So always just looking at the different factors that go into this really complex deal, right? There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of different people involved. So that's just another thing to keep an eye on and uh, be looking at. But you mentioned when you first came on, and I definitely want to get to it with the time remaining that we got, uh, self-directed IRA. I know there are a lot of people that are interested in that, leveraging that, wanting to look at that. Talk to us about your experience with it. It sounds like it hasn't been the easiest. Yeah. So this experience that we're talking about, right? This is my personal experience with my self-directed IRA. I'm not telling your listeners what is right or wrong for them. And I did mention this right when we got on the Zoom call, right? I'm just complaining to you about this one-to-one. We're not recording. Realized, hey, we should probably talk about this. To me, my experience with the self-directed IRA, I still have it invested in further syndications. It's, you know, I started with that deal and then I continued rolling it forward. It's just too much of a headache, frankly. Most syndications will use some form of leverage, which means that a self-directed IRA may have... UDFI, unrelated debt financed income, and then occur incur UBIT, unrelated business income tax. There's so many acronyms in here, which you, you're, you said it best when we were not recording is that you have a tax shelter inside of a tax shelter and that you, know, you lose a lot. But to me, there's kind of two ways in which I shouldn't say I regret the decision because you know it's we're moving forward, right? But two ways in which I will improve this or reasons which I will improve this decision in the future. So there's the the actual tax, right? Which is fairly high. Uh, it's trust rates. You guys got to look it up. I, I'm not even savvy enough to do these taxes for myself, right? I have to give this to my CPA to do. And then there's also just the headache. There's my time. There's just extra paperwork that I have to shuffle. There's a, I have a different CPA for my self-directed IRA than I have for myself. So there's, just the time and mental energy that's involved there. And I've <laughs> frankly found that the UBIT and dealing with my self-directed IRA's taxes is more of a headache than my taxes, which are, you know, already not fun. So for that, for those reasons, the tax is fairly high. And also it just is so, in my experience, draining, and it's kind of expensive to have them done because it's a little bit of a specialist thing to do. Once this investment that it's in is done and sells and liquidates and I get the money back, I'm closing that out. I'm personally done with self-directed IRA forever. I may revisit uh, solo 401k in the future, but even then, mm, I'm a little wary of that, of this whole situation. But but that's my experience. I wouldn't tell anybody else, you know, you shouldn't do a self-directed IRA. I just think be ready for the paperwork headache, have a CPA identified, you know, that's been my experience, but I'm done with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I think to your point, if that's your only vehicle of being able to invest in real estate, I think the lesson learned and what I'm hearing from you is be aware that maybe it's a little bit more uh, needy as, as far as like time and being able to needing to, to watch it and oversee it a little bit more than just like a true passive investment, especially around tax time. So I think that the idea is if this is your only vehicle for investment, then yeah, it's probably still a good opportunity to look at. Just know there's more on it than if you had the funds liquid, it could wire them directly to a, an operator. That's a little bit easier to manage because it's truly going to be passive. 
uh, and you're going to get your K-1s and, you know, file from there, whereas this isn't. It's just a little bit more encompassing of your time and things you need to be aware of. Not a bad thing, just a keep that in the back of your mind. Similar to your your property management story, right? It's it's awareness that we're trying to drive here on the different types of topics. These are complicated matters. Real estate investing is simple at its core, but it it, it can get complicated very quickly. So I think for what you do on your show, what we want to do here is just educate people on what's out there and what to look out for so that hopefully they don't make the mistakes that others uh, have made in, in their past. Absolutely. You know, there, there are a lot of other lessons that I learned along the way there, finding a CPA that would do the self-directed IRAs taxes for a reasonable price was difficult. When I, I went to my custodian and asked for help, they looked at me like I had three heads, which is shocking because they're a self-directed IRA custodian. They should know about this stuff. Frankly, why don't they have people on staff that handle this, that I can just pay a little bit more and get it done. There were so many things, but that's something I went through years ago, right? But it's just little annoyances that popped up. Oh, man, it's two extensions I have to file, but my personal taxes, my CPA will do that. But for myself, directed, I, I have to file the extension. It's just all these little things that are distractions. You're limited what you can invest it in. There's fees for the, the CPA. There's fees for the trust company. There's blah, 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 blah. It's nickel and diming. So People might not even be aware of UBIT. You got to research that. That's not talked about enough, but also just the headache of handling it. It's I'm over it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Listen, I totally get it. If you have the means and you can, I think, you know, if you have the means to invest in real estate in other ways, I would explore that mm-hmm. by far and away first. If this is your only manner of investing in real estate, and you really believe in the deal that you're looking to invest in and more importantly, the operator that's going to be managing that, then yeah, I would, I would still look at it. Just be leery and aware of what go what really goes into it. You're not going to get the t- same tax ramifications and depreciations. There's going to be a lot more paperwork and filing and time needed to manage that than maybe previously expected. But Taylor, I, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. I think both of, from an awareness standpoint and what you've seen and gone through and what you continue to see, I'm sure with your clients and what they're doing from a passive standpoint and what they're going through it is really awesome. And we appreciate what you're bringing to the table, not only here, but on your show as well. But for those that want to work with you, invest with you, learn from you in the future, where's the best place folks can find you at? Sure. So we have uh, free resources out there, articles that I've written about, say, risks in investing in real estate syndications or red flags, uh, investing in real estate syndications, other things like that, that if folks want to read up on, certainly not exhaustive lists, but some of the big ones that I've identified in my years of syndication investing, just go to escapingwallstreet.com. That's our little landing page. You can uh, fill out the form there, all that. And if you're interested in learning about potentially investing with us on a few, in the future, go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and, and schedule a call with me and tell me that you, you heard me here. I certainly would appreciate knowing that. Yeah. Great. Well, listen, we're going to drop all those links in the show notes for everyone to quickly access them. So uh, Taylor, again, thank you so much for the time and and especially around tax time. Now that we know what you're having to go through, really appreciate the time and, and knowledge today, sir. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And hey, thanks everyone for listening and watching at home. We'll see everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.